Welcome to the ChatGPT podcast. I am your host, Jaden Schaefer, along with my co-host, Matthew Iverson. Take it away, Jaden. What are we talking about today? Yeah, so this is the first time uh, we've had both of us on the podcast together. Matthew is a tech entrepreneur, um, an AI entrepreneur, along with myself. We both have AI startups that we are running right now. So yeah, we're just uh, obviously super plugged into what's happening with AI, and we wanted to cover some of the news and the latest and greatest in what's happening in AI today. So I guess we can go back and forth, Matt, and uh, talk about some some things we're seeing and share some insights. But the first thing I wanted to talk about, because this is a really big thing everyone's been talking about with ChatGPT lately, um, is like, you know, obviously all the teachers are worried that everyone's going to use this uh, to write all their essays, blah, 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 like New York's banned ChatGPT. And then some people say that's like, um, I don't know what they say. It's like, not fair to people that don't have the resources to have their own computer or phone or something at home <laughs> to ban it at school. So there's like this whole thing going on. Anyways, um, Turnitin, which is like the big anti-plagiarism software company that all teachers and universities and high school use pretty much. Um, yeah. They just announced that uh, they've created an AI writing detector um, and they have like a whole little AI writing resource center for educators. And it was interesting because they said that on this like AI writing detector thing they've created, um, it identifies 97% of chat GPT and like GPT-3 like authored writing. And what's interesting, and cause this is like a, a really big deal. People were, there was other ones that were trying to detect AI, but people were saying like they would give false positives, which is like obviously really bad. Some kid like actually writes a paper and then you flag him for like not even plagiarism, but like AI wrote it. So like you fail them or whatever. But this thing says that apparently um, less than one in a hundred are false positives. I guess 1% of people are kind of screwed, but like 99% uh, do that. And so then uh, Turnitin says that they plan on adding this to their like core Turnitin anti-plagiarism detector um, by April this year. So pretty crazy. That's pretty wild, but I'm pretty skeptical that um, you could actually build something that would detect it only because like every time like open AI tries to patch something with chat GPT, like, I feel like the community breaks it like the next day, like yeah. with the Dan, like with the Dan protocols this last week, like, yeah, uh, he, they, Dan came out, which is like a protocol that makes chat GPT basically say, you know, things without bias and like just pulls raw data and like gives you exactly what you're asking for. And then OpenAI patched it, but then people found a way around it by being like, well, now chat GPT, I want you to like, you know, pretend you're a news company covering this story and like give an honest take on this and then like reverse your answer. And it like, <laughs> like through like a series of commands, there's like another roundabout way to get around. My thoughts on that are that um, like, you, you know, you said like you find it difficult to believe they'll like find a way to detect it. I don't think they'll have a difficulty necessarily detecting the text, but it's like a cat and mouse game of like, if you use Quillbot and you put your a your chat GPT written article into Quillbot, then it spins it and then it's not AI detectable. Cause I've used a bunch of uh, different AI detectors and like, it is a big deal for like a education, but B for like business. Because if you think of SEO, like Google literally said, we have an AI like content detector and uh, if you if we detect you're using AI content, we'll like de-rank your SEO on your website. 
So obviously like it's a big deal to get around it, but everyone's just using Quillbot right now and the current AI detectors aren't working. So this is interesting in case you didn't know how the AI detection like software works because um, OpenAI just made their own as well. But OpenAI, it's kind of funny. They said there's like work 60% of the time. So if Turnitin somehow managed to do it like 99% of the time and OpenAI can only do 60, that's interesting. But um, OpenAI said, this is what they did. They literally went and got uh, Wikipedia articles they would get like a thousand words of the Wikipedia article, so like half of it sometimes. And then they would tell ChatGPT to continue it. So like based on this, continue writing this whole Wikipedia article, it would continue writing it. And then they had like a data set that was super specific on one topic. Like it wasn't just training it on like human read art, human written articles and um, AI written articles. It was like the same article, but half is human and half is AI. And then they run that through the neural net back and forth. And then it's like, it has to guess which half was which. And it's like, this half was AI. And they're like, wrong. And they run it through again. And it's like, this half was human. They're like, right. And they run it through again. So they're running through it like a bunch of times. But just like, yeah, they got the same document written twice. But this is what's really uh, interesting. They said that they're like Achilles heel on this whole system is that they just made this. And they don't know at this point what percentage of the content they trained it on was already written by AI, meaning right, right, Vinci's right, been right. out for two years and tons of things on uh, tons of things on Wikipedia could have been written by AI. And if that's the case, then we're completely screwed because yeah, you, the training you just have to on yeah. AI. You just have to swap the entire database of Wikipedia and then the kids will be yeah. forever free to build whatever they want. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting. And also people, so people that just write you know, I don't know. Everyone feels like they're so unique and I guess they're not just because like when you look at something from a macro scale, like everyone's kind of similar, but I have a hard, like, I just feel like my writing style is too unique. Like AI could never pick up <laughs> that. It's that it's a, but then, but then again, you'd probably be like dead giveaways that I'm not even like conscious of. Right. Well, yeah, it's pretty crazy because it's not like yeah, it's just like, it's it's crazy. Because the way that AI writes content to begin with is that it's like literally predicting sometimes the next letter, but mostly the next word in a sentence. But then because of Google's transformer model thing, it's like kind of, it goes through like blocks. But anyways, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely very crazy. So it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Good luck to turn it in. Uh, what, yeah. what do you have for me? Well, first off, we everyone has to know your opinion. If you're in school today, would you be using OpenAI and ChatGPT? Well, I'll tell you this. If I go for a master's degree and I got to write all those papers myself, here's my thing. You know, here's here's my opinion on it. Uh, and because I know people are going to call like ethics on this and say, I know everyone's got their different opinions. Teachers call it cheating. Students call it being smart. I don't really, I don't really know. But at the end of the day, what matters to me is uh, like if you have a tool why wouldn't you use it? Like, think about it this way. When the calculator was invented, every math teacher was probably trying to ban calculators. And eventually they just gave up and said, okay, in math class, you can only use certain types of calculators that aren't too powerful. And you can only use them for like these exercises, but like not for these ones. And like when I was doing like finance classes in college, like they give you this, like a financial calculator and they teach you how to use that in, um, and you could take it into the testing center, but they're like, but you can't have this type of calculator because it can do everything for you. And it's like, I don't know. In my opinion, I think that's ridiculous. It's like, if the technology exists to be able to do something, just use it because what's the point? Like in the real business world, in your real job, in your real career, you are using ChatGPT to write your stuff and like to write your memos and to write your YouTube scripts and flipping like everything you can do. 
And so it's like, I don't know, if you're trying to ban it and say it's like cheating or bad, it's like, you still can direct it. You still put your arguments into there to like get your paper out. Like it's the modern day calculator. That's my opinion, yeah. hot take. No, I totally agree. It's like uh, school doesn't need any help keeping people in the dark ages. It's like they still don't teach, you know, taxes and <laughs> like right. real life skills. It's like, you know, as soon as people get out of high school, they're going into an AI world. So you might as well just train on how to use it. And right. Maybe, right. It's maybe like, what's like what, what maybe school is trying to do is like, well, we want you to like understand how it works and like build the skills. And like I used to believe in that a little bit more because I'm like, yeah, because if I don't have a calculator in my pocket, like it'd be a problem if I don't know how to like do simple addition. <laughs> right. Or I mean, like, I would, or use I would a map. hope you, I would hope you just get the simple addition out of the way and then like anything else you can, yeah, simple, simple math out of the way. But like anytime they're like trying to get you to do linear algebra on a piece of paper, it's like, I don't know. Seems yeah, a little yeah. bit far-fetched to me. It's like, I don't even have use for that. Like using the tools, like right. forget about using it without <laughs> the tools. <laughs> yeah, I have this, you know, I, I bet we'll get hate on this because I have the conversation with uh, my developer on my current project. And I'm like, bro, like I never needed calculus. That stuff's stupid. And then he's like, dude, like for a lot of the programming stuff I do and for like even AI models and different things, like you definitely need like hardcore calculus to make different models. I'm like, OK, well, I guess some people need it. But I, I, I was not in the camp that wanted to dive in. But, you know, for the people yeah, that well, need it and learn it, I kudos to you. Maybe for people who actually uh, like are building the infrastructure of the tools. Anyways, so I was in a conversation today with a couple of prestigious businessmen, and they asked me uh, what the hype is about AI and if I use it in my everyday workflow. And they're like, what are you using it for mostly? And um, this is good because everyone's wondering, like, what is the actual use case? Like, and I feel like, and I want to know your opinion on this. The actual use case for me at the moment is everything that's text-based. So writing blogs, I've had it do that. Now that I know that Google is deranking my site, I might uh, work on that a little bit. Maybe it's not helping me the way that I thought. Uh, I have had it write emails for me, like especially uh, automation emails, like uh, when someone signs up for my SaaS company, like I send them an auto email. So I'll write something, I'll tell it to write it better. I'll tell it to write it in the tone of voice of Captain Hook or Jar Jar Banks or Peter Pan. And that's really fun. And I don't know if that's mostly because I'm entertained by that kind of thing, or if it actually turned out to be like something I couldn't have done myself. But anyways, I just love seeing what it does. Is it killing my creativity? I don't think so. I think, uh, for me, it's more. Like, I, I know what you're talking about when you when you said your email of like uh, sending an email in the style of Woody. Like you send that thing to me, you got to pull it up one of these days and like read some lines from it, dude. That thing is like hardcore. I don't know if anyone by themselves could have written like that email. It has so many like it has so many like cowboy phrases like packed into like one sentence. So like I, I don't know if that kills creativity because I don't know. If, I find it hard to believe I could ever personally create something like that in depth. And especially when you're like, do Darth Vader, do Woody, do Jar Jar Binks, like five in a row. Like maybe you could spend all day doing one of them and like how valuable, like, I don't know how useful is that, but if you can do a whole bunch that's entertaining and funny for like something you're doing, that seems a lot more, uh, it seems like a really great use of AI. Yeah. I'm seeing if I can find it. Yeah. It was, it's freaking nuts. Cause like, for me to like think about the language each of those characters would use and to like come up with it in that amount of time, it would never happen. Like it's right. just 
<clears throat> so I have to be creative now. I'm, I'm more like the managing director and I'm like, Hey, uh, do it this way, do it that way. And I have to be creative enough to think of Woody or buzz or whatever yeah. the heck we're doing, but I don't have to be creative enough to actually write it. But I do have to think what, what does my audience want? It's awesome. It puts you in the director chair, right? So, yeah. um, anyways, that's the kind of use case that I'm using it for. I know there's a lot of artists that are probably dabbling with the art side of things. I don't know how they're making money doing that yet. Maybe you know how they are, but it's just text for me. Well, okay. I will tell you this though. So I agree with you because I'm just big on the text. I literally have just a chat GPT tab open and for almost everything I do all day, I like just throw stuff at it. Um, mm -hmm. But I will say that uh, there are some people using the art side. I'm not so much, but I recently um, am launching a, a new AI tool and I needed a lot of UI UX done. And I hired this designer and uh, he has like this Figma file open and I can like jump into the Figma file and like we work on stuff together and, and I like I can review what he's working on. Anyways, I recently went on there or when he first started, I went on there and there was a whole bunch of like, he, he created like redesigned like the homepage for this project we're working on. And there was a whole bunch of these um, like images at the top, like like inspiration kind of images. And like looking at them, I instantly like just knew like, oh, like that's all just like mid journey. Like he generated all these on mid journey. And I was like, bro, like nice job um, generating like all your like inspiration, design inspiration on mid journey. He's like, oh yeah, you like that? They're cool, whatever, blah, blah. And like, and we ended up going with something that kind of had come from, in fact, the background image of the site we came from was literally just generated on mid journey. So like, I do think actually for graphic design, I messed around with it a bit after watching a YouTube video and was pretty blown away by the, like, it doesn't do everything for you, but it, it can actually give you some pretty good like concept art for websites or for apps. And then you take those into Figma or get a designer to take them in and like, and make them look good and add stuff to them. But I was actually pretty impressed with how far um, mid journey can go for UI UX design stuff. Yeah. I think the idea is are like where it's at for me as far as pictures go too. Uh, yeah. I, I tried doing like a dream board thing the other day where I wanted it to like, I told it like the kind of house I want to eventually have, like where it is on the mountain and like what kind of view it is. And I had to do it like in night and in day. And it was, it was like super cool. And I was like, ah, that oh, so that's cool. cool. And then I tried to, uh, to describe myself and put myself in the picture and it was just like super bad. Cause obviously I'm using all like the, adjectives i was i was trying to i was like made myself like way too perfect <laughs> it's like it's like this supermodel blonde dude like in a house with like these nice cars and like over a lake <laughs> with the mountains with like uh with like a ranch <laughs> also you have like nine fingers on each hand <laughs> right right my my smile wraps around my face or something <laughs> yeah no it was That's uh hilarious. Okay, well, speaking of um, making money from the artistic side, I recently saw an article that David Guetta, he says that um, the future of music is AI. So he was recently at a live event um, where he was getting a big award and he he got AI to write him like some beats and uh, a song and he played it at this big concert and everyone loved it. He said he's not going to release it commercially because he... He got it to like make him a little rap or something in like the tone of Eminem. So obviously that's like, you know, copyright infringement or whatever. They're, they're like, he, he gets sued for releasing it. It's funny. I'll play a clip of it. I, let's see if you can hear this. Sure. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. This is the future rave sound. I'm getting lost in an underground. Uh, it's interesting because in his opinion, right, and like 
this is really controversial for a lot of artists. I've noticed there's a lot of uh, like art, like art, literal graphic design art people that really hate on this AI generated stuff. Um, like I've gone into, you know, arguments on Twitter with them and stuff. But anyways, it's interesting because he says that it's like, it's a, uh, it's the future of music. He's like, nothing's going to replace taste. But what defines an artist is you have a certain taste and you have a certain type of emotion you want to express. And you're going to use that with all the modern instruments you have to do that. So he's, so he's just saying like AI is a new modern instrument. I mean, it's kind of, it makes sense for these electronic mm -hmm. artists, right? Like they're using voice samples anyways. What's the big difference with an AI voice sample or whatever, an AI instruments yeah. versus electronic instruments. Pretty interesting. Yeah. And the, I mean, we've, we've, we were looking at AI music stuff like years ago. I remember because we were doing like Spotify stuff and it was very cool. Uh, I remember there was a company that was doing infinity music. So basically, uh, you know, in video games like Skyrim or open world video yeah, yeah. games where you're walking around, there's like background music, but it'll like loop. You know, people spend like hours in these games. And so if you can imagine like, you know, you put 50 hours into a game, that's 50 hours of music that you'd need. And of course, no one was doing that. And so, they just loop it. You know, maybe there's two hours of music or something and then they just loop it. But now there's AI that will write unique music in like the same key or the same tone, but indefinitely. And so there's like live, uh, like rendering of music in game. And so the music is always unique and that's pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty but, crazy. Wow. That's nuts. And that was out, that was out a couple of years ago, I think. So I don't know what they're doing with it now. Okay, I got a new one for you. Um, have you heard of Neva? No. So Neva is a new um, is a new AI search engine. It came out from this guy um, Vivek, and he's the ex VP of monetization at YouTube, and also he's the ex senior vice president of ads at Google. So obviously, like he was in Google doing ads, so he knows it really well. He made a search engine. Um, and essentially his deal is it's a Google without ads and tracking. And so where it's uh, like different is that you got to pay a $5 a month subscription. What's um, it called? It's called Neva, N-E-E-V-A. Anyways, it's kind of like in the news a little bit today because they're expanding to a bunch of new areas or whatever. Okay, what's interesting about Neva is if you ask it a question, and it doesn't know the response, it just won't answer. Where Chad GPT will always just make up a response. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, some people say it's gonna take on Google. I, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But uh, yeah, it's a direct competitor to Google, uh, AI search engine by a guy straight out of Google. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's pretty fast too. It's like, it's, I guess I'm on Chrome, so it's just gonna be kind of fast, but. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I Did you hear about Bing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incorp so this is what's really interesting about Bing. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, people are comparing, because some people are getting early access already to Bing, and they're comparing the results that Bing is giving them versus the results that uh, ChatGPT is giving, and they're different results. Like on ChatGPT, it's saying things like, oh, I don't know that kind of complex problem. And on uh, Bing, it's actually giving them the right answer. And so people are hypothesizing that, well, Bing already said they're going to do GPT-4, but they're saying like people that are getting these demos of Bing search, it is already GPT-4 installed so or like running. So we're, we're thinking that it's already live for some people, which is kind of crazy. So Bing is actually using ChatGPT 
like they're not using like Google's thing. They're actually using like OpenAI's thing. Yeah. So doesn't that that gives Microsoft like an edge on Google, doesn't it? In a way. So yeah, yeah. That's what's crazy is like, um, well, so the the CEO of Microsoft right now, he was running Bing under Steve Ballmer, the last CEO, and so it's kind of like he was always the butt of every Google joke because Bing sucked for so long. And I'm sure he was just like seething under underneath. And like five years ago, when he sees OpenAI come up, he gives them a billion dollars. And it's just like, he's just biding his time. And now it's like his final, people are saying it's like his final moment of revenge, where it's like, he went from the dude in charge of Bing to now in charge of Microsoft <laughs> and just going to hammer Google with it. <laughs> dude, it's, it's, it's perfect that these guys are seeing the opportunity in AI because they're, they're the same people that saw the opportunity with the internet, like as a right. whole. Right. right. It's like, it's, and they're saying that this level of, of uh, disruption is like the same as the internet. So yeah. it's cool. These guys are like, you know, they went through like the big internet wave, made their money. And then yeah, Bing got roasted. They're, and they're like in the same ballpark as like, you know, like Yahoo or like those, all those social right. media platforms that like, like on like, the uh, verge of being completely irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, they're like an eBay, which, yeah. you know, they're, they're just like simmering below the surface. Right. But, uh, <laughs> watch, watch eBay come back. Yeah. Well, well, apparently if you go to the app store today, uh, I'm not sure today, but like this week anyways, Bing has hit like the top most downloaded apps. It's hit the top charts because people are just getting prepped. And I've seen the ads on Twitter where they're like, get on the wait list, download the Bing app. Um, so like, yeah, I think people are prepped and ready. And like, to be honest, like no, no, like, oh, that's a lame name brand. It's going to keep anyone away from the best technology because this is the other cool thing about Bing. They're not just like, oh, we put chat GPT on our search engine. They're literally front running GPT-4, the best AI model, period. Better than chat GPT. Like they're going to be the first people to drop it. So like this is going to be massive for them. Like like even chat GPT, I bet like is going to get a, a big dip in their, their daily active or monthly active users once Bing launches GPT-4. I don't know how long till... OpenAI just lets you use GPT-4 on like their own kind of hub, or it's just like ChatGPT gets replaced by that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a big moment for Microsoft and uh, Bing. And this is what's crazy. This is actually insane. So ad revenue, which this AI model disrupts, right? Because now you don't have to search Google, click on an ad. You just like search, get the response and it's done. So that's why Google has not put this stuff out. Um, that accounts, like ad revenue accounts for 85% of Google's like revenue, period. Oh, I so, saw this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And Microsoft, it's Bing's ad revenue is 5% of Microsoft. So it's like nothing. So Bing is literally going to just let this thing go for free. And it's going to completely cripple like their absolute biggest competitor. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, that is pretty wild. So like the front end of Bing right now, it's still a search engine. So it's not like you can just ask it to do stuff that you would ask ChatGPT to do right now, right? It's not, not yet. Like... It's still, it hasn't launched yet officially, mm. but it will, That's... I think. Although it, it's, it might be different. I don't know. There's a u.com, which is like a search engine. It's like, it's like you ask a question and you can see the search engine results or the essentially ChatGPT results. Um, and I wonder if Bing is going to do something similar where it's like, you have the normal search engine, but then you also have, uh, some sort of like response. Apparently they're going to throw links in the responses. So it, uh, yeah. sponsored, well, not just, <laughs> yeah, sponsored, but like also, um, yeah, that's definitely where it could probably go. 
but I don't know if they're going to monetize. They put out this whole paper in their like big review and never said monetization once in any of it. So I literally think they're going to keep it free and ad free just to completely crush Google. I think that's what they're doing. They just want like maximum users and just crush Google. You know how they're really going to win is if they can keep bias out of it because people yeah. want to know they're just getting like the real deal. You know? Yeah, that, I mean, that's been a really big thing on Twitter right now. Like everyone's sharing screenshots of all the, you know, political or whatever bias. Because like, here's the thing, everyone, like, you know, even when you open up ChatGPT, it's like, you know, this could have harmful or biased content, whatever. It's trained on the whole internet. So anything, any opinion anyone could have could be in there. But then OpenAI is like, we try to mitigate and pull it out. But by mitigating and pulling it out, they're incorporating whatever biases the, like, the, the, the tuners are, whoever's tuning the model and or like putting the stuff in like those people have biases so whatever their biases are in so it's kind of like manual biases versus like crowdsource biases i don't know what i don't know which one's yeah better. we need to go back to like 2003 when like the internet is wild like just wild we need we need like completely open um maybe like a couple of safeguards in like for kids and stuff <laughs> you know like maybe a way to even verify age or something because you want kids to be protected on the internet but i think that as far as political bias goes it should just be open and free. Obviously that's impossible because people are already regulating things and they th they want to like, you know, advertisers don't want to be, you know, associated with these things and those things. And then they have to try and make money. But if you're, what you're saying is true and open AI is not actually making money. Wow. And they don't care. That'd be incredible. Cause then they don't have to bow down to anyone. You know, I find it very, unlikely that that will happen considering the bias that is already in there but yeah we well i mean you like all you have to do let's so like political bias and there's other types of biases but okay political bias obviously it's no secret um they they ran chat gpt through a test and it identified as a democrat like they put it through like a choose your political side so chat gpt mm -hmm. has like uh has a left-leaning bias for sure it makes perfect sense because when you look at those org charts or those charts of like um, what percentage of, of employees at, you know, Silicon Valley companies donated to which political party it's like 90% donated to Democrats, 10%. I think Oracle is like the highest don not donation to Democrat party. It's like 30% of Oracle employees donated to Republicans, 70% Democrat. So anyways, mm. and, and OpenAI is a Silicon Valley company. Microsoft is a Silicon Valley company or it, well, actually not really, but it's uh it's in Seattle, but it's a tech company. Um, Seattle, same thing. So you're going to have like all the employees of both of those companies are obviously going to have their own left-leaning biases. So those are going to make their way in. Um, and it'll be interesting. People are calling them out. Like there's definitely points when you could, uh, you say they cross the line and, and things aren't like balanced. Um, they'll either fix it or someone else is going to come out with a new one that is more um, open. And that one's going to win for a certain demographic of the population. I mean, like there's like ideological biases, but if you're going down to like political, right? Like for example, it'll write like a positive poem about Joe Biden, but not a positive poem about Trump. Okay. Like 50% of the country votes for Joe Biden, 50% votes for Trump. Like if you start putting your political biases one way or another, that's like half the country that is inevitably going to not appreciate it. So yeah, I think, I mean, for a company to be successful today, um, obviously it feels like the politically correct thing to do would be to throw in all of the left leaning biases, but like, you're going to make your users upset. And so I think at the end of the day, inevitably, if they don't fix it, there'll be a, there'll be a right leaning AI model. And then half the country will use that and half the country will use the left leaning one. And honestly, at the end of the day, if someone came up with like a really centrist approach to the whole thing, maybe like 
you know, banned people t saying how to like do harmful violence, but like don't have any sort of weird political speech stuff, that thing's going to be the biggest. So they'll adapt, or I think someone else will beat them on that premise alone. Cause we're seeing that even in social media companies, the AI photo app trend has already fizzled new data shows that's on TechCrunch. All right. So totally right. Like what it was Lenza that came out and then everyone copied Lenza and then everyone you know, there's all these free models out. So yeah, I totally agree with that. 10 reasons to worry about generative AI. Your thoughts? Uh, yeah, it sounds like clickbait. 10 reasons to worry about anything. 10 reasons to not worry about anything. That's stupid. <laughs> I try this. Should you worry about, should we worry about AI? Give, give me, give me either one reason why we should worry about it or why there's no reason to worry about it. Okay. There's absolutely no worry, no reason to worry about generative AI or AI period. Just go to Wikipedia, do yourself a favor and look up Ludites. The Ludites or Luddites were these people back in like 18 and 17th century that they were so mad that people were building these machines that could uh, do textiles like clothing that they would go and they had these like textile smashing like parties. They would all go out at nighttime, they'd go to the factory, <laughs> they would smash all the machines because it was taking away their jobs and they were mad. And I just like feel like people that are like trashing AI or any tech technological innovation are just like modern day Ludites. Like, Go smash the printing press if it if it makes you so mad. But like at the end of the day, it's better than it's better than what we had before, and it's like technological innovation that increases the global standard of living. But dude, what about uh, Elon Musk? Is worried about AI? Do you think he's crazy? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> if Elon Musk is worried about it, we're all screwed. No. <laughs> Well, okay. Dude, Elon Musk is a freaking idiot, dude. Yeah. And now here's the thing. Elon Musk saying he's worried about AI. He's worried about like general artificial general intelligence, which maybe we're going there inevitably, but like, I know there's concerns. There's things to be worried about, like regulate it, make it not too crazy or powerful, but it's also the same dude that's creating a humanoid robot. So like, if you really were worried about AI, why would you create a humanoid robot that's inevitably going to get artificial intelligence in its brain and it's fully capable of becoming the terminator like dude that's why he's worried about it that's why that's why he's worried about it it's like i'm worried about this destroying humanity therefore i will build it so i control it <laughs> it's like it's gonna happen anyway you might as well be the one doing it okay tiktokers are roasting mcdonald's hilarious drive-through ai order fails and it shows that robots won't take over restaurants anytime soon um disagree Robots are going to take over fast food in our lifetime. There's already a McDonald's that is completely automated because you don't even need to have AI ask you questions. And I, I don't even know the story, but like, I assume it's just asking them questions at the table uh, or sorry, at the drive-thru. And then it's like trying to understand like what it's saying. So it's like a voice assistant. Uh, yeah, you can just click buttons on a screen. So like, I don't, <laughs> If you work at McDonald's and that's like your, your passion and you want to like grow in the ranks of becoming like the best, like order taker in the world, like, yeah, your, your days are numbered. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> There's an article explaining why AI is so bad at drawing human fingers. There's actually an AI company that was developed to correct fingers on hands. So like you would get like mid journey or something to build the picture. And then you'd have to like put it in the new engine to like fix the hands and the teeth probably. Who, who wins the AI battle? Because at, like the internet, someone has to come out on top. It was Google in round one of the internet, of the big breakthrough. Uh, maybe it was like Ford who came out in the you know industrial car revolution. Uh, who comes out on top in the AI world? Call it, is it Google? Is it Bing? Is it someone we've never heard of? Who wins? 
absolutely unequivocally bing is going to completely <laughs> google i'm not joking dude google screwed up big time because get this 2017 google employed the researchers that wrote the research paper explaining the transformer model essentially what chat gpt is based off of now and then they slow walked it because they were worried it was going to kill their ad business honestly that's what they did they they, they came out with Google Bard, like whatever. But the problem is by not allocating enough resources, when you have something, they went through the whole innovators dilemma, which is that the innovator doesn't want to innovate, the, the big company doesn't want to innovate because it's going to eat their, it's going to kill cannibalize themselves. I yep. think they, I think they screwed up. They let OpenAI get too far ahead. And then guess what? They let OpenAI get $10 billion. So company comes, gets ahead of you, and then it gets $10 billion. I think Google's toast. They're going to play catch up. But the other problem is if OpenAI makes mistakes. It's like, ah, it's a new company. It's a cool new technology, whatever. Like we, we give it like some leeway. Google comes out and makes mistakes and their their stock crashed a hundred billion dollars. Like Google has to be perfect. And if they wanted to get that done, they should have started a year ago or two years ago. Like they yeah. literally had all the time in the world. They saw OpenAI building this. They built the infrastructure for it. I think Google uh, royally messed themselves up. Uh, by by trying to pretty much stifle innovation, I think they're going to pay for it, and I think uh, Microsoft is going to benefit massively. I would be uh, amazed to see what happens to Microsoft stock. In fact, if you look at Microsoft stock today, get this: Bill Gates got Microsoft stock up to like I think 160 billion. Oh man, don't quote me on this, but but like this is going to give you the idea. Then Steve Ballmer took yeah. it over, ran mm -hmm. it down to like 90 billion dollars. Then. We have the current CEO of Microsoft, and he's got it up to $2 trillion. So in, like, in this massive year period, we had Steve Ballmer, who completely flatlined the Microsoft stock. In fact, he, he tanked it since Bill Gates left. And uh, yeah, and so now Microsoft is up to like an insane level, and I think we're going to see them go even higher. Like The guy running Microsoft is the guy that is, he's done it to 2 trillion. He's going to take it to five. That's my opinion. And I think Google's big time toast. Jeez. It's crazy. It's going to be like, uh, forget Jeff Bezos, dude. It's going to be uh, Microsoft versus Elon Musk. Those are going to be like the big dogs. <laughs> wow. big dogs. <laughs> Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to us ramble and rant about the AI news today. What's happening with ChatGPT, Bing, and everything else. Make sure to tune in tomorrow to hear what is happening, what's the latest in AI technology. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast.